With us today is Kim Carson, the wife of the late Jeff Carson, one of the country music superstars of the 1990s. Now, Jeff Carson's last album, 448, is a nine-track, never-to-be-completed swan song by a man who lived a praiseworthy life. Now, lauded by both the Academy of Country Music and the Police Academy, and in 2009, after charting 14 singles, including the mid-90s Billboard topping Not On Your Love and the top five father-son anthem, The Car, Jeff Carson walked away from the music industry completely and for all of the right reasons. To pursue a career in law enforcement, focus on family, and be a strong role model and a dad to a son, Dayton. He would serve the Franklin, Tennessee Police Department for 14 years with accommodation, and after a 22-year absence from the music scene, but with the recent resurgence of the 1990s country music in the mainstream, Jeff Carson was encouraged to return to the studio to re-record an album of his greatest hits. Tragically, before the album was completed on March 26, 2022, after returning from a day shift at the police department, Jeff Carson suffered a sudden heart attack and passed away. But with us today is Jeff's wife, Kim Carson, to share with us the memories of Jeff Carson, his music, and his last album, 448. Let's welcome Kim Carson to today's show. Welcome, Kim. Hey, hey! thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're very, very welcome. Well, you know, I had the opportunity to interview your husband, Jeff, on my show, and I believe it's probably a couple of years ago uh, or less, and we talked about his career in music, his career as a police officer, but how would you describe Jeff as a husband and a father? <laughs> well, I would say for Jeff, he just always was the most fun and funny. And I think that's what most people say about Jeff, that they miss so much. He was just so funny. He was always doing something, always pulling a prank, always recording somebody, scaring somebody at the police department. He was just always doing crap all the time. So I know that's uh, what people really miss the most about him. And that's just how we're describing. He was just fun and funny. And he and Dayton had so much fun. And we miss him so much. It's just, And there's at times I just can't hardly wrap my head around it. There's seriously times I just can't wrap my head around it. But, yeah. um, but anyway, it was just so, fun. well, it must've been, well, it must've been shocking. I mean, were there any signs that he was having any, uh, prior health issues before that day? Goodness, goodness. No, not that we knew of. I mean, he literally, he had just come in, you know, from, from being out for the day, you know, at work. And I mean, he just pretty much came in and it happened just pretty much as soon as he hit the door. So, you know, it was just so unexpected and, and just, again, at times we just really can't believe it, but we, did, we didn't know of anything that was wrong. Um, so, but it, it has been something, it really has been a tough year. It's just, uh, and it's hard to believe now that it has been just over a year and we just kind of passed Father's Day again. So that certainly makes it to be difficult. Um, but, you know, um, I'm enjoying uh, working on things for Jeff and just keeping his music alive and his name and whatever we can do that helps the police department. Those are the things that those things are helpful to me. If you know what I mean, it kind of helps me to kind of look for Jeff, find Jeff and be with Jeff, uh, with his music and everything. So that's what we're doing. That makes me feel good. Well, what, what goes through your mind when you go back and listen to one of his songs and, and hear his voice again? Well, I can say this. I, I run across him a lot, obviously, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. You're going to see him. So at times, I'm in a good frame of mind that I can watch some things. There's sometimes that I just can't. I'll see something somebody's posted he's on the Opry or whatever, and I kind of look back at that and think, gosh, that's, that's kind of how I remember him. So those things are hard. I mean, that's just hard. And I will say this as far as this new album, 448, 
it took me quite a long time before I listened to it. Um, I had listened to the car, the first one with Michael Ray, and I cried, of course. And then finally, one day in my office, I just sat and I listened to all the tracks at one time. And I thought, I'm just going to go ahead and cry at one time. And I did. But I loved it. I loved getting to hear it. And, you know, I think we're so fortunate that we have these vocals. I love it for our son, Dayton, that we have this. I mean, we'd obviously have it everywhere, the old masters, but I love the current masters and we have these new vocals. So that means so much um, to have. And Jeff was just so excited about being able to be in the studio again. He was so happy about it. He was just in his happy place and he was doing the two things that he loved. Well, what was life like when Jeff was having all of these country music hits and touring across the country in the 90s? What was that like? Well, it was so much fun. It's definitely a time that we'll always treasure. Um, and I will say this, just since you mentioned the 90s, there was so much discussion about Jeff getting on some of these 90s tours. Now, he would have been, of course, a police officer still, but he would have worked in some dates and he was looking forward to that. And that just would have been a whole lot of fun. But it was always fun to be on the road with him. It's a fun time. I tell you, you become so close with your band members or Jeff's band members and your team, your crew that's with you. Um, but, you know, for Jeff, we would always talk about he was so blessed to just do the two careers he's always loved. He was able to do both things. And now they're really going parallel with being a music artist that he always wanted to do first. And then he's always had the love of law enforcement. But I can tell you that when we were on the road, he would literally step off stage and step into a police car. He was always doing ride-alongs with the sheriff's department or the local police departments. So it's just been what he's been doing all of this time. But he loved both things. Um, he loved being a Franklin police officer. It was such, it's just such a great organization. His closest friends are with the Franklin police department the ones that run the flex unit. So I know they miss him so much, you know, and, and again, how funny he was. Uh, but that's really what it was like being on the road. It was fun. We were enjoying, you know, what was happening for him. We were so appreciative and the music and the music was great. And, um, but it was fun. But yeah, he was kind of, you know, always loving police officers. So it didn't surprise me when the time came that he kind of wanted to, you know, try to apply for uh, the police department. And, you know, he didn't know if he would get hired. He was older. He was hired at 44. Um, but I was so proud of him and he worked so hard and he was very good and I well, feel extremely it, safe. <laughs> well, well, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, it's like the television show, the rookie and where you have an older gentleman, uh, become a rookie, uh, through the police Academy. I guess Jeff really kind of fit that, uh, when he oh, became yeah. a police officer, did he, did he hide the fact that he was once a country music superstar or uh, <laughs> did he just kind of uh, let them find out on, on their own? Well, they, they knew about it because, you know, I think there was some discussion, you know, would, would he you know be going back to that at some point? But I can tell one thing it's funny. And as far as I know, I think this I can tell. But when he was in, in the academy, which, you know, that's about 10 weeks. It's so hard. And he did such a good job. You know, Jeff could he could really hang with everybody. I mean, he, he was pretty fit and could really do it. But about the first week at the police academy, they were wherever they were, a gym or outside or whatever. But one of the instructors kind of walked up back behind him and said, bet you wish you had a nice air conditioned tour bus to be in. So they knew who he was. And I think it was just funny. It was just being funny. And I think he laughed. So but yeah, they, they knew. Um, and of course, the police department, they knew that he did a few things in and out. But he just loved being an officer and he loved the service. And uh, you know, again, just he's had he's been so fortunate to really be able to do the two things that he loved, and that's what he was doing right now. You know, just with with music and still being a police officer and working both things together, and he just loved it. He was in his happy place, and 
uh, he had partnered with Encore Music Group to redo these masters, masters or recut them rather. And he was so appreciative for that opportunity to get to do. And we, we both were so excited about it. But we, we're loving that the music is out there and I think people are enjoying it. Um, I love that it's titled 448. There's a real sweetness to that with his badge number. So I love that idea. That was not my idea, so I will not take credit. Oh, so 448 was actually Jeff's badge number. That's his badge number. And I just love that idea. I think that is so neat and it's clever. Um, and, you know, I do think people are enjoying it. And, and as far as the music, you know, we were so excited about the other three artists that are on it, um, you know, with Michael Ray and Craig Morgan and Daryl Worley. We we're so excited about it. And of course, those three guys totally back the blue. So it's interesting how all of this has come together. The music, those guys that are on it, and everything that's kind of relating to police and, and then Jeff and the two things working together. So I find it interesting how all this has come together. But I'm, I'm thankful for it, and I'm so proud of it for him. So proud. Yeah, I remember when uh, Jeff was telling me that he was working on a brand new album. And I think when he came on, uh, we were talking about, I think there was a particular single that uh, was released at that time. Uh, but then he was talking about Daryl Worley and uh, Michael Ray and Craig Morton mm -hmm. and, you know, just people coming together to uh, kind of put this album together. And he didn't really know at that time where this album was going to go. Um, oh, true. Yeah, didn't, you know, he wasn't really talking about, you know, doing a, a tour at all. But, you know, you're right. There has been this big resurgence of the 1990s country music. Are you oh, surprised yeah. by that? Well, I guess a little bit, but I mean, you know, I don't know. It's uh, maybe um, a, just a little different from the 90s to where music is now. And I love where the music is now as well. But people just seem to really like that. It was very successful, uh, pretty country. And uh, so uh, I just think people enjoy, you know, the 90s. And, and we certainly did as well. But he would have loved being able to do some dates. And I think that definitely would have happened. But yes, like you said, to your point, we really didn't know, you know, where things would go with this this music in the album. But I, I love the direction that it's heading. I love, again, that it's, you know, keeping his name and his music out there. But I do love anything that is supporting law enforcement. And, and this would mean so much to him. And then I'll just mention, you know, people can still get it at adoptacop.com. Now, that's if they're interested in the hard copy, physical copy. They can still get it with a $25 donation or however they want. Uh, you would get the hard copy of it um, as well. And, of course, it's just uh, helping uh, law enforcement. So, um, and, of course, uh, they can streamline it now on all their uh, platforms, of course, as well. So, Well, everybody knows who watches my show uh, knows that I don't believe in free downloads. I believe in buying the <laughs> album, buying the music, supporting the <laughs> artist, uh, yeah. and even supporting the cause that some artist, they'll put an album out or a song out, and it's there to support something that they believe in. And uh, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, this album is no different. 448, Jeff Carson's last album. And I encourage you to buy a copy. Now, Kim, is this available on CD and vinyl? You know, I've had that asked to me. I don't know at this point. It's not on vinyl at this point, I can say. But I have mentioned that. And that seems to be the new resurgent now. Everybody is looking into that. So I think that would be awesome if maybe that becomes an option. So I hope so. But at this point, it's still, you know, hard copy CD. So, um, well, and I can also just mention to you as far as things that help the police department. When we had the memorial service for Jeff last year, we did one this past May. Just to give you an example of things that funds go toward, um, for anybody that knows Jeff, he cannot stand to be hot. If Jeff would be hot, he would be cranky. Now, I can just tell you. 
So if anybody was going to figure out a way to be cool, if you can only imagine in a police car between, you know, the heavy vests and duty belts and dark black polyester uniforms, he would figure out a way. So there's this apparatus, it's called Cool Cop, like Cool Cop, C-O-O-L. And it's an apparatus, kind of like a tubing that could connect to your cruiser's AC unit and you run it right down your vest. So if anybody would have figured that out, that would be Jeff, some way to figure out to roll around Franklin, you know, and be cool. Well, just an example of funds that were used just recently that we helped, you know, provide. Um, the police department purchased, I don't know exactly how many, but most all of the officers in Franklin wanted this cool cop. So the funds that we helped raise for this, you know, based on Jeff and his music, et cetera, uh, they used those funds to purchase that for all of the officers. So that's just an example of maybe things that can help officers. It's just additional resources where maybe those sort of things would not be provided, but that's an example of how funds can go to help officers for maybe things that they need or help with maybe uh, if someone's been sick, maybe some medical bills or whatever, things along that line. So that's that's really what we're working toward. And this album is, is continuing that effort um, uh, with trying to help officers and police departments with maybe things they might need. I love that, Kim. Uh, you know, we love backing the blue. You know, I always believe that, you know, backing the 100 Club uh, and for fallen officers and even firefighters. Uh, how did the idea come about to release his unfinished album? Whose idea was it? Well, I guess basically the team that had put all this together, Encore Music Group, like I mentioned, is the one he partnered with, and they just still wanted to go ahead and put it out. You know, we just, that was the plan. We didn't really know when, but that was the plan to still put it out. And then two, just to keep Jeff's name and music alive. And then with all of this, with, the, you know, the police department, it just all made sense. What can we do that works toward both things? And this does with releasing the music. And then also the music came out um, during National Police Week. And I can also mention, and a lot of people do know this, but Jeff was recognized at the federal level in D.C. We just got back from that in May. So uh, being a line of duty left for officers, they are, you know, their names are put on the wall. So we were just in D.C. for that. So the day we went to D.C. on May the 12th is the day the album came out. So all of those things, again, just kind of tied together with police and everything about it. So it just all made sense. But, um, but really, the team just decided to go ahead and put the music out. We knew Jeff would be so proud. And, and then, you know, it, it is something that makes me feel good. Uh, it's helpful. You know, it just helps me to be able to do that. Um, and, and I want to do that to keep his name out. And then I just love doing anything that I can help uh, police departments. And, and so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Well, you're doing such an incredible job. And for you and, and Dayton, what was it like to see the whole city of Franklin, Tennessee, and the country music uh, community come together uh, for his memorial. Oh, my goodness. Well, for the, for the funeral and all the memorial. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Now, I can tell you, I've never seen anything like that. But, of course, now I obviously haven't been to many, you know, funerals that, you know, are police officers or firefighters. I could not believe the people that were there in the whole city of Franklin. It was just unbelievable. The people that were lined up you know, through the town and the, and the flags hanging over, you know, the red lights. It was just unbelievable. And all the other departments in the surrounding areas helped because so many of Franklin were with all of us. Um, and I can tell you something that I think that is kind of neat when we speak about all of this, but most, most everybody knows that Jeff has a 72 Chevelle. 
Um, and, and actually I just got out and drove it about a week ago. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to drive that car. It sounds fantastic. So, but anyway, I was asked at that time, would I feel good about having the Chevelle, you know, within the funeral procession leaving? So, um, and as hard as this is to say, you know, there was at the funeral, the, the hearse and then the Chevelle and then the cruiser, his cruiser. So we were all three lined up in that order, um, heading down through Franklin with all of the people. And one of the officers that drove it, you know, he wondered what I feel okay about it. And it was hard to get into the car when it was time to leave, but there was a sweetness to that. It felt good being in the car and, and to lighten the mood, he'd look at me and he'd say, you want to gun it? You know, he was just doing anything to try to help. And I was like, let's do. So, you know, so it, that part of it was kind of neat, but, uh, but yes, I mean, so many people were there. Um, and, and I can just say, I know, and I, I won't even say the name, but just speaking of what people do, I know one of the officers, he, he donated his money that he made on overtime from working the funeral. This is just what people did. They just, whatever they could do to help. And they just, they reached out, they stepped out. Um, it, but it was amazing what happened in, in the city and everything that they did. And I realize that's a lot of effort. It's a big expense and I can appreciate that, but they just did everything. And I'm so grateful, so grateful for it. But it was, it was amazing. They lit the police department up in blue. They lit it up in blue at the year mark. They lit it up in blue last month in federal week. Franklin's just been amazing. They have seriously not left my side. They've not left my side. Well, wow. That, you know, that, that touches me. Cause I was, um, you know, when I heard about it, um, I was really taken back because I remember interviewing Jeff, uh, just had a whole life before me. He was so excited he to finally see where his law enforcement career and his music career were literally coming together and, and to see what's going on now. Uh, are you looking at the, are you looking at the future with maybe having this Jeff Carson event um, every year? Well, the memorial, I think we are, um, and I don't know all the details about that, but it would be every May, and I think that's what we're trying to do. And even if it's um, supporting even other law enforcement agencies, whether it's Brentwood or Hendersonville or whatever within the area. So we're hopeful to be able to keep doing this because I love what we're working toward. So I'm hopeful about it. And too, Jeff was always a part of things like this. You know, whether it's, you know, uh, a benefit or a memorial, like, say, for Daryl Singletary, when he passed away, he was always in those. Um, and then another event that Jeff had done just, I mean, a, a week before he passed away, it was for one of the Franklin police officers that was really struggling after having COVID and some various things. And a benefit was done for that. And again, that was to help raise money just to help pay for things or bills or whatever. So all these little things, um, they line out to me to try to keep doing because Jeff was always a part of something like this. So I'm hopeful to be able to continue the memorial events in May. Um, and we'll just see where that goes, but I would love to be able to, and for people to be able to come out and support the call. So that, that sounds like a good plan. That's what I'd like to see happen. It's a very, very good plan. And we support that plan. And Kim, again, where can everybody buy Jeff's album 448? Okay. They can go to adoptacop.com. So again, it's adoptacop.com. And with the $25 donation, then they would receive the hard copy of it. And of course, these proceeds are going to uh, uh, police officers and helping and, and foundations, that sort of thing. Um, and Leap 
Foundation is one that works with the Franklin Police Department, and they, they are the ones that handled these cool cops that we, you know, provided for the police officers. So that's just an example. But yes, they can definitely go to adoptacop.com. That's where they'll get it. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we hope that they do and just hope that they enjoy it as much as we do. I'm enjoying it so much. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. I am happy with this album, ladies and gentlemen. It, you know, if you're a country music fan, you're a Jeff Carson fan. That's what it just comes <laughs> down to. I mean, you know, we, we all remember, you know, we know country music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s. And we still love those songs. And Jeff's album, 448, needs to be in your collection. You need to buy it. And Kim, I pray that maybe hopefully we'll see a vinyl come out. Maybe that vinyl will be silver to match his badge with 448. (laughs) That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, I just appreciate you having me on so much. And I appreciate what you do and what you've always done for Jeff and and everybody. And, you, you know... Uh, recently I've been saying, cause I could just hear Jeff when he would do interviews, he would always say, Hey everybody, this is Jeff Carson. So these days lately I've been saying, Hey everybody, this is Kim Carson. I'm in for Jeff Carson. There you go. And ladies and gentlemen, go to adoptacop.com by Jeff's album 448. It's going to a great cause. We love supporting our police officers across this country. We love supporting our military. And I know all of you who watch and listen are the exact same way. So go to adoptacop.com. Get a physical copy of Jeff (laughs) Carson's album. I'm going to keep shouting this from the rooftop, ladies and gentlemen, because this isn't just, this is Jeff Carson's gift to all of us. You know, True. Um, True. we're thankful. <laughs> we're lucky. I mean, we're just lucky to have it. We, seriously, we're lucky to have it. Well, and I can say this. I think with the three songs, which I think mainly what's getting uh, played right now is the Michael Ray version with the car. But all three with Daryl and with Craig, they they're just a little bit different, and they just sound fantastic. I mean, Jeff really sounded like he always did, um, which I just love. But I love kind of the rendition of what they did with these three. You know, these three top hits. Um, they just sound so good, and I think people that obviously enjoy Craig and Daryl's music and, of course, Michael Ray right now, I think they will really enjoy hearing these versions with them. And, of course, Michael Ray, Michael, well, Jeff was good friends with all the guys, but he and Michael were good friends, and Michael's dad was a fan of Jeff's. So it's just neat how all of that has come together, but those three sound really good, um, and, of course, all the others, you know, the hits that everybody will know. But um, I think people will enjoy hearing those other artists on there as well. And I'm so glad they're on it. It's great. Turned out great. That's it. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more about Jeff Carson's music, just go to jeff-carson.com and you can go on there and see all of his albums and buy those albums. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that's true. Well, and his, his, all his media pages are still going. I don't do any of that, but his team keeps it going. So you'll see various things about him or, you know, whether it's music related or just whatever. So those things are all up and running, but definitely, yeah, they can go to jeff-carson.com and can see everything and get everything. And of course, at this point, adoptacop.com for 448 is the best place for that right now. And I hope that they do. Hope that they do. Well, are are we going to see any type of uh, maybe a benefit type concert with, uh, Daryl, Michael, and and Craig doing some of these songs. Well, wouldn't that be neat? You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, hey, I like your idea. I like your idea. And if it happens, I'll give you credit. I promise. <laughs> but that would well, be. Let, let me come. Let me come. Well, yeah. let me come out there and I'll MC it. 
I like that idea too. Well, let's work on it. Okay, let's get with the team and work. That would be fantastic. I like it seriously. I love I love that idea. And and for one thing, we all know. You know, here's one thing, Kim, that I love about the country music community is that they are tight. They love one another. They respect one another. They help one another. And this is just a perfect opportunity to keep not only Jeff's music alive, but it's for a great cause. And one more time, ladies and gentlemen, go to adoptacop.com. Kim, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing uh, everything about Jeff and many blessings to you as you move forward and, uh, you know, heal from this loss. Well, well, thank you so much. Well, you know, one thing I can say, too, that's been helpful when I say that Jeff's closest friends are with the police department. One thing they did, they always kept a little text thread going between seven or eight of them. And it was always something funny and, you know, something somebody took a picture or whatever. Well, they still do that. And now I'm part of that text thread. And there might be some silly Facebook picture that they find, but they'll send it to me and we all laugh. And they'll say, this looks just like something that Jeff would have found or taken a picture of or whatever. And so I'm still a part of that. And that's just how I can say that they're just helpful, that they just kind of keep it going. The police chief reaches out to me all the time. And again, they just, they just again, have not left our side at all. But that's just how that they're helpful. Um, and it's and to your point of a close-knit kind of family with country music, it's the same in a police officer's family. Once you're part of the blue, you just never leave it. And it just has something in your heart. And it means so much to me what they've done for us as well. So, but it, these are all good things. It, these are sad things, you know, but it's a good thing. And I'm, I'm happy for where it's going. And, and uh, so I'm, you know, again, I'm thankful for the music. And, uh, you know, when I say that about being sad, sometimes you just, you kind of just have to pick your sad. Do you want to be sad to look at something or sad to not look at something? So generally speaking, I just go with the sad and look at something and have it be in front of me. And that's just kind of what I do. But uh, but anyway, we're just so thankful for it all and uh, what everybody's doing. And again, I thank you for having me on today and things you've done for Jeff in the past and what you're doing. So uh, we're just we're most grateful. We're most grateful for everything that's been done for us. Very well, thankful. You are, you are very welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave you with this. So right now we're going to show you my past interview with the one and only <laughs> Jeff Carson. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. You're very, very welcome, Kim. And, and ladies and gentlemen, again, here's my interview with Jeff Carson. My guest today is country recording artist Jeff Carson, and Jeff Carson has come full circle with careers that have allowed him to do the two things that he loves, music and police work. Jeff re-recorded his song, God Save the World, which premiered on Newsmax and is currently number 35 on Music Row charts. Not only is Jeff a country recording artist, but is a 20-year law enforcement officer who is also an ACM award winner for the video of the year for his classic hit, The Car. He has also had a number one hit with Not On Your Love, which has over one million listens on Spotify. So the man with a guitar in one hand and a badge in the other, let's welcome country recording artist and star and officer Jeff Carson. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Wow, Doc, what a setup. That's awesome. Thank you. I didn't even know I'd done that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only have the best on this show, so 
you know, welcome to the club, brother. Oh, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you. Well, you know, your career went from a demo music maker to a country star to a police officer and back to being a country star with a badge. So kind of give us a bit of that history of your unusual climb as an artist. Well, as like you said, starting out singing demos, that that's where a lot of song uh, a lot of artists got started. I know that um uh gosh joe diffie sang a lot of demos before he got signed to records and there were a lot of uh, uh i remember seeing kenny chesney we we met in the hallways constantly when we were doing demos he'd be leaving the studio i'd be coming in and vice versa so uh, a lot of us got started uh, for those that don't know a demo a songwriter would write a song and and then he would hire musicians and a singer like myself to go into a studio and record it and then this recording would be pitched around Nashville to artists who were looking for songs for upcoming albums. So that, that was always a, a, a weird thing to me to know that all my heroes, all these artists who were recording at the time were listening to me sing to learn a song that they were going to have. It's just so cool. Wow. Well, you know, you, 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 your career has, uh, it's not even an up and down type of career like I've uh, talked with others. You kind of took a different career path. So, you know, you went from a demo maker to being a country star. So who actually discovered you? I, I give all the credit to Chuck Howard. He was my first producer on the first two albums. Um, we got to know each other and he cut a couple of songs on me a little better than demo quality. You know, I had a lot of demos out there already. Um, uh, uh, you know, ones that I got paid for singing, but this one, he, he cut a couple songs, a little better quality than what would typically be on a demo and shopped it around in Nashville and, and Curb Records, uh, was hot on it. And they picked me up in about 1994. 1994. So when did you, when did that number one hit happen? Not on your love. 95. Uh, it was my, my second single. My first single was called Yeah, Buddy. And that like got in the sixties, but I was still happy. Like, man, I'm on, I'm on a billboard chart. Uh, and then of course the, the second one, Not On Your Love went to number one on all the billboard and Gavin and R and R all the charts. And that, that was, that was, uh, just unbelievable. Well, so when, when did you record the car? Because you know, you won video of the year. Yeah, I recorded that. That was on the same album, you know, uh, a lot of the demos that were coming to me when I got my record deal, then I've turned out to be one of the artists looking for songs for upcoming album. So and it was funny because a lot of the songs that were coming to me in hopes of me cutting were me singing the demos on already. So, uh, <laughs> so it, it was a wonderful time. Uh, the car was written by Gary Heidi and Michael Spriggs. They, uh, they were friends of mine at the time. We'd written together. And when they uh, pitched me the song, I wouldn't, I really wasn't expecting that much, you know. I know they had success on other, uh, other artist songs, but I wasn't expecting this that much. I was just, you know, a couple friends pitched me a song, and it was the car. And I remember exactly, I was sitting on the couch up in the bonus room at our old house, and uh, I had had a Walkman, you know, played cassette tapes, and you get these tapes, you put them in, and you have the headphones on, the wired headphones, and um, I remember. Uh, Man, when it got past the first verse, it already had me hooked, man. And uh, I remember my wife came upstairs, and she she's all tears in my eyes. And uh, she asked if everything's okay, and I said, man, it's this song. you got to hear this song. 
Wow. You know, with, and does that usually happen when you're choosing songs that you have to have a, a connection, a feeling to it? Or is it some of the songs of what we would call filler songs on an album, just kind of, you know, well, you know, we got two more spaces for a couple of songs. Let's just slap a couple of them together. Or is it an emotional connection with every single one of them? You know, I don't know. Cert certain songs, I definitely would have to have some kind of connection. As far as the car, I remember saying, uh, I remember the first time on the road that my dad came to a show, uh, uh, the car wasn't released as a single yet. So I was very new in my career. must have been one or, one or two singles in. And my dad came to the show and, and I couldn't even sing that song then with him out in the crowd. And um, of course, he, he's passed away a couple years ago and uh, makes it even harder now. But uh, yeah, I connect with uh, the majority of my songs. It sure, it, it, it helps. Well, let me ask you this because, you know, we all know what happened on September 11th, 2001. Now, not only did that change America forever, but it also seemed to have changed your career path. What happened? Well, you know, and I tell this story, I always try to preface it where I please don't make it sound like this is a story about poor little me and my in my career, because it's not. There are a lot of people went through horrible things on that day. Um, it was, however, uh, going to be I was going to have my very first album release party, and this was my third album. I'd never had an album release party. You no, know, I was so excited about it. Um, I had been off the charts for a number of years. Uh, I, re -re I recorded a song called Real Life, I Never Was the Same Again, and it was moving up the charts. After so many years, I finally had something moving. It was jumping every week. It got up to number 14, and it was going to be the week, uh, the week it turned, oh, jumped up to 14, we were going to have an album release party. And uh, just uh, just a big blowout where everyone's excited about the, every, the singles coming up and and um, we were, Kim and I were sitting and laying in the bed, having coffee that morning, watching the news when 9-11 uh, when unfolded. And um, from, from that point on, you know, uh, it, it, my single fell off the chart and a lot of patriotic songs and nobody's more patriotic than me. To, please. And it's hard for me to tell this story without it sounding like poor little me, you know what I'm saying? But, but I'm not. That, but. But that was that was the end of the music career. Yeah, I mean, no, I completely understand. It's not a, a poor me story because, you know, on 9-11-2001, a lot of people's careers changed and they had to find a new path. And I know that <clears throat> I've talked to people who had things going on that very day and things just ended and a lot of people didn't know what was going to happen i mean i even remember that day very well because i was actually driving from houston to dallas because i was going to be a guest on a television show the on the very next day and here it is 9 11 i'm thinking no one's gonna care so i turned around and came home yeah. you know so but i can understand where you're coming from with that but i can't believe that uh that your music career would just take that dramatic turn just because of that event because like you said a lot of people right after that started putting out patriotic songs and you know kind of i don't want to say playing off 911 yeah. but you know we all needed but yeah but we all needed that american pride something that i think we need right now 
But uh, yeah. let's kind of speed forward because then in 2008, you entered the police academy in Franklin, Tennessee. Why? I tell you, Doc, it uh, is probably one of the hardest things I ever did was walk away from music. I had to. I had a, I had a newborn son. Uh, I was stay-at-home dad while my wife, Kim, worked for the first five years. I wouldn't trade that for anything, watching him grow. Um, I had to walk away. I had to make a living for my family. Yeah, and now I understand that your wife was a little nervous about you deciding to become a police officer. How did that conversation go? <laughs> she always knew that I'd, I'd always lean toward law enforcement. I, even as a kid, I remember uh, the teacher asked me in first, second grade, uh, what I want to be when you grow up. I went around the room asking everyone, and I always said, I want to be a police officer. So that was always in the back of my mind. Um, uh, even when I was on the road playing music, if we had the luxury of staying overnight somewhere, uh, I would typically like to get a ride along set up and I'd ride along with officers in the town that we were in. And uh, so I always had a, uh, affection for law enforcement. So that was the only, the only, other than music, man, when I knew I, I had to, I had to go get a job. I had to go make a living. That was the only thing that even crossed my mind. And thank, thank God at the age of 44, I got hired as a police officer. You know, I, I read that in your bio and I was like, wow, a lot of people would have never even thought of stepping out in faith at that age to become a police officer. Because, you know, we think about people probably being 25, maybe 30, but, you know, 44, you know, that, that's a whole different thought process there. But this may be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you ever pulled anybody over or had to come face to face with somebody and all of a sudden they look at you and go, wait a minute, aren't you Jeff Carson? <laughs> <laughs> I, I pulled over uh, Dean Sams here, um, I don't know, probably six or seven years ago. Uh, uh, he, he, was, uh, he played with uh, Lone Star, uh, so, and he recognized me, uh, and I recognized him too. So it, it, was, it was one of those things. But no, there's, when I first got started, I was relatively kind of current in the music, but uh, now that years and years have passed, I, I don't get recognized. Uh, well, well, let me ask you this, because this is, this is a very important question, especially in today's time. And since you have been out there, you see what's going on, you've seen what's happened the last few years. How can all of us work to restore the relationship between community and our police departments? Gosh, how do you answer that? I mean, I grew up, you know, there what's going on with law enforcement, there's bad apples in every profession. Uh, I, I wish that people wouldn't paint with a broad brush when uh, one bad apple of an officer does something, then every police officer is bad. Um, I, wish, I wish we could somehow change that. Uh, I've, I've, I've felt it going even simply by walking by people even now. Uh, some people don't like cops. It's that simple. Um, I'll walk beside someone. There's no one else around for for 50 feet of us, and uh, I'll you know walk by. Good morning, and, and be in uniform, and they won't so much as look at me. It's like if I wasn't wearing uniform, you probably would have said hi. It's just it's it's crazy how people. Uh, some people feel like that. Now, have you seen that change over the last 20 years of being an officer from? You know, you, you feel the respect, you know, they understand 
that type of authority. I mean, I was taught that at a very young age because my father, you know, way back in the day when there was no such thing as a paramedic, he was an ambulance driver. And that's driving a station wagon with a red light on top, trying to get to the hospital as fast as you could. And he always had great relationships with police officers. And so that I learned very early on. And even to this day, if I walk into a place of business and there's a police officer there, or if we go into a restaurant and maybe there's a couple of officers sitting at a table, hey, I'm cool, I'm fine, I'm like, great, you know, hey, at least we got some officers here, you know, if anything goes wrong, you know, so that's how I look at it. But I don't look at it as, I don't look at officers in, in, with disrespect whatsoever. I know what goes on in the media, but we have to understand too, the media is there to create a narrative, and in some ways the narrative is very bad, very negative, but, you know, like you said, there's only a few bad apples here and there. But overall, every officer I have ever met, even those that have come to my house because my alarm went off, you know, <laughs> praise the Lord. I mean, they were they were kind. They were ready to take care of it if there's anything to take care of. And that's just how I look at it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very blessed, Doc, in the, to work at, in, in, a, in a small town. Well, I, we probably have a little over 200 sworn officers. Uh, and I'm very blessed that the people we serve there, more majority, overwhelming majority, uh, are very pro-police and uh, always get a thank you at a boy that it, every day I work, it seems like. Good, good, because it ought to be that way. Well, let me ask you this. You went eight years, and I was really surprised by this. You went eight years without ever picking up your guitar. So was the desire lost at that time or just the demands of being a police officer? Uh, wasn't the demands of being a police officer. I had time to pick it up and play. I don't know if I was just um, jealous, uh, mad at the whole, why can't I make it in the music? So I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna play anymore. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I had such a, I had a bad taste in my mouth toward music from not being able to make it. Uh, I, I, I think it was that. Man, you're you're being honest. I think most yeah. people probably tiptoeing around that subject, but you know, you know, I see, you know, I, you know, I see artists from new ones to current to to the legends, and you know, sometimes I think with country music, country music is not very kind to those who have made it. And then eventually if they decide, you know what, I'm going to take a year off. You just killed your career. I know it's crazy. It's and then you can't ever get back on the radio again. And then you're technically now you're on classic country when you're trying to put out new music and it's, it's the weirdest business. I think country, I love country, but it's so different in the way that they treat artists versus pop and versus rock. I think rock is almost non-existent nowadays, which I hate to say that, but country, you know, we, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Garth Brooks, you know, took a lot of time off. He comes back, he does, you know, the, the Notre Dame concert and all of these things, but it's still not getting back on radio. It's just it's, not it's the same. True. It's true. Yeah. That's, that's what's so incredible to me after 
20 years to have something uh, on the top 40 charts. It's, it's, um, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm still pinching myself every week when I see the charts. It's, well, um, do you think the online uh, music streaming has uh, helped keep your songs as well as others alive and, and really kind of gaining not only for a, a lot of us who know those songs, but also gaining a new fan base? I think so. You know, uh, gosh, it's, it's, I sound so old when I say this, that, you know, when I toured and everything, there was, there was, there wasn't any social media, man. I mean, there was, there was nobody, unless you had a big 35 millimeter camera taking pictures at a concert, there was, there wasn't even a picture of a concert uh, or a, or a video. Now everybody's got uh, videos that can be uploaded and, and on the, on the, internet within seconds it, it's crazy probably uh, probably better that it wasn't around back when I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah i do believe uh, i do believe it helped yeah it, it gets uh, it gets you even i do a throwback thursday uh, every uh, every week on my my facebook page and uh, i've gained a lot of fans just doing that and now getting back into music uh I, I have people joining, becoming members and following every week. And it's so, so gratifying. Well, what was the spark that led you to re-record your song, God Save the World? Which I love that song, by the way, because I was listening it, listening to it over and over again uh, yesterday uh, just to kind of get very familiar with, you know, what the whole thing is about. And I think it's a song for our time. That's exactly why it was released. How this happened, I, I got with um, Spinning Plates Management. Uh, I did a Daryl Singletary honor uh, show here right out a year ago. And um, I just asked, hey, can I be part of the show? I traveled with Daryl for a few years. Uh, he and Red Akins and I tra traveled together sharing a band on a bus. And um, so I was welcomed with open arms and I did some of my songs and I was I had such a, a great feedback from people. Um, someone was there from a management company that I used to work with and uh, saw the response that I got. And so we got together. They got me with MC1 Music. Uh, it's an independent label. Um, just like you said, because of the times we're in right now, they thought they were familiar with that song too. I cut it on Curb earlier on Curb Records, and they were familiar with that song and said, hey, why don't we re-record this song and put it out? And so, Wow. Now, do you have any, uh, do you have any plans for a, a full-length album soon? There's talk of it. You know, I hate to ever uh, 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 put something out there that doesn't happen, but there's talk of it. I would love that. Well, I think you ought to. Uh, you know, my gosh, for someone who steps foot into a police academy at the age of 44, and artists that I've seen in the music business, uh, you know, there's longevity to music. And I think the thing about music is, is there's there's a life-giving power to it. You know, I've, I've seen artists now who are still touring in their 70s and they'll never give it up. My gosh, I don't think Willie Nelson has ever stepped foot off his bus except to walk to the stage. I know that guy's a workaholic, isn't he? And uh, <laughs> today's, I was just thinking uh, when you were mentioned earlier about radio, uh, sometimes not playing the older people. I was thinking today's Merle Haggard's birthday, and he was the uh, very first concert I saw back in about 1980. 
and uh, I miss his singing. I miss uh, uh, he and Willie together. I, there, there are so many artists right through the years that I sure wish were around. I miss them. Yeah, you know, I was listening I'm to not some. That old, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. I I was listening to some Waylon Jennings just a couple of days ago, and I'm thinking, oh man, you know. And then I then I was uh, I was I kind of skipped over and, and listened to his grandson, Way Jennings. I was like, wow, grandson. he sounds oh just like really? Waylon, and. Wow. Uh, you know, to, so to me, you know, there, there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, you're still doing it, and I, and man, you know, when when I, I found out that uh, when I was going to interview you, and I was, was researching a lot of your songs, and a lot of them I knew because I, I love country music, and I see this song with your name attached to it, and I'm like, wait a minute, did Jeff sing Butterfly? Was it Butterfly Kisses? And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Is Jeff the guy that made that a hit? And I had to keep thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, let me go do this. That was Bob Carlisle. But why did you actually record Butterfly Kisses? You know, Curb, I, I'll lay it out there. Curb wanted me to do it. I didn't want to. And uh, shows you how much pull I had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was one of those things. I, I loved the song. You know, I, first time I heard it, I was on the road doing some other things and I heard it on a radio and thought, what a great song. Bob Carlisle was singing, Bob, Bob Carlisle was singing it. It was on a Christian station. And, uh, uh, so when Curb asked me to record it, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'd rather not record something that's already becoming a pretty good hit for somebody else. We ended up doing it. Uh, at the time, Marty Raven, with Shenandoah had left Shenandoah and he got with his brother and, and formed the group, the Raven brothers. And they also recorded the same song and put it out to country radio too. And at the same time, Bob Carlisle put his version out to country radio. So there were three of us at the same time going for ads, country radio for the same song at the same time. Wow. You, you don't see that. I don't think you see that happen anymore. I mean, I remember, was it probably back in in the 50s, maybe the 60s in country music, you would get different artists recording the same song, but they would kind of like spread it out. But, you know, it's kind of like Elvis. I mean, Elvis was singing songs from other artists, making them big hits. But now a lot of people don't even want to walk down that road thinking that uh, they're just going to be known for a cover. Well, yeah, and it's and it, it was confusing, I think, for the listeners too, because I remember a lot of people saying after the show, uh, come up to me and say, "Oh, you you wrote that about your son, your daughter, didn't you?" And I was, "No, it's Bob Carlisle." <laughs> yeah, Curb Records made me sing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and, and uh, that was the same time too that um, uh, Curb had um, uh, um, also released. How do I live without you? Remember, uh, there were two artists going for ads on that song at the same time, too. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who that was because I know the song. Oh, man. You know, I remember it was... Uh, Trisha Yearwood had one version. Trisha Yearwood oh, and, and the girl... Leanne <laughs> Rhymes. Yeah, Leanne Rhymes. Oh, yeah, and I think that they picked what Trisha 
to carry the song because they thought Leanne was too young to be singing those kind of lyrics. Yeah, and then then the uh, a movie came out where uh, it was used in a movie, and it, there was yeah, it was just a big debacle where everything. <laughs> I'm so yeah. confused. Well, it, it was, you know, I remember when, remember when Aerosmith cut the song for the movie Armageddon. Of course, Steve, Steven Tyler was fronting that song. And then Mark Chestnut records that song. And I'm like, that doesn't fit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I'm thinking, I'm so I'm... Too, once I hear... Once I hear an artist sing something, it's their song. You know, someone else can sing it, but it, he's singing their song. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm thinking that with Mark Chess, and I'm thinking that's got to be a record company situation, <clears throat> pushing uh, that into country radio and and not letting it cross over on its own. But what does the future hold for Jeff Carson? Well, man, I don't know. You know. Uh, Every time you try to make plans like that, you know, God, God has other plans. You know, you're going to what you're going to do whatever plan God has laid out for you. And I don't know what that is. Hopefully there's music involved because I sure miss it. Well, well, that kind of brings up a point that I that I just popped into my head. You actually picked up the guitar again because wasn't it connected to a, what was it a sergeant at the um, police department that uh, knew you played and asked you to sing? Yeah, there had been there. It's one of those things. I tried to, not that I tried to keep a secret. When I got hired, I really didn't put it out there uh, that that I, you know, was a singer and had some success in the nineties. Um, I remember uh, one of the first days we were hired. There were six or eight of us all sitting at a table. We just gotten hired. One guy was from New York, and he spoke with a real thick New York accent. And um, as we were going down through the list, they come to me like what. Like what, what? What kind of work do you come from? And I said, I I was in the music business, and I was gonna let it go with that. And they kept digging and digging. I said, All right, yeah, I had I had some success in the '90s. I had a, a couple number ones, real life or not on your love in the car. And the guy, the guy from New York, goes, Dude, I got your album. And everybody <laughs> laughed. They thought he was kidding. They thought he was being a smart aleck. <laughs> but, but he really did. So it's funny. So it. it, it I never really put it out there that uh, I was in the music business. But, uh, yeah. Well, I think it's time that you put it out there that you're in the music business because, brother, you are in the music business. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Carson, not just country recording artist, but because of the number ones, that makes Jeff Carson a country superstar. And especially here, he is definitely a superstar, and Jeff, I tell you what, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure for me just to be talking to you today and just not necessarily reminiscing about the success you had, but I believe that there is more success in front of you, and it's coming your way. Well, I hope you're right, Doc. Hope you're right. <laughs> I've, I've lived a blessed life already. You know, I've, I've had two jobs that uh, that I always wanted and uh, if I could do them both would be even better well tell everybody how can they watch you you do your uh, Facebook lives every Thursday yes uh, it's official Jeff Carson uh, on Facebook and Instagram um, have a YouTube as well but yeah I do that every throwback Thursday every Friday sometimes it's request 
Sometimes it's something that pertains to the date that I record it. I haven't done one for uh, this Thursday yet, so it's still up in the air. So uh, y'all throw some requests at me and see what pops up. Well, knowing that you're a police officer and a country superstar, is there any touring coming up for this year? Believe it or not, I've got about six dates on the books. Now, I've had one of these particular dates has been kicked kick the can down for the last year and a half because of COVID. So, so who knows uh, when this stuff might open up so we can play more again. But yeah, I've, I've got about six on the books and uh, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait to get out there and play. Oh man, keep that fire burning, brother. It's in you. Do not put that guitar down ever again. Just keep it in your hands. And of course, like I said at the top of the program jeff carson has a guitar in one hand and he's got a badge in the other so if you start maybe uh passing through god's country a little too fast through franklin tennessee you may see the the, the red and blue popping up behind you <laughs> well, thank you doc i appreciate you buddy hey you bet thank you ladies and gentlemen jeff carson and please go to his facebook page official jeff carson as well as instagram 